Hello, everybody, and welcome to Decomposition. My name is Mernal. And I'm Anjali. And this is the first episode of our show. Um, on this show, we're going to be taking a look at some of our favorite songs, and we're really going to be getting into kind of the nitty-gritty of each of these songs. Um, we're going to be looking at lyrics and themes and how they tie into the music. Uh, we're going to get a little bit in deep into the music theory and talk about what makes each song interesting, why it goes into our ear, and why we decided to bring it on our show and kind of talk about it. Um, yeah, so if you're in here for some discussion about music, following along on some music theory and getting really into the in-depth portions of different types of songs, this is kind of the show for you. So Anjali, why don't you go ahead and introduce this song for our first episode? Sure. Today's song is Taylor Swift's Would've, Could've, Should've. It is from her 10th album, Midnights, and from specifically her 3AM edition of that album. She released this album in October of 2022. And when she was writing this album, she was considering all the times in her life where she was kept up at night. And that's why it's called Midnights. That's why it's called 3 a.m. Edition. It's about things that'll keep you up at night that are either very, very happy or very, very sad, or maybe it's regret or maybe it's longing. And so that's the theme of all of her songs. And so we're going to explore what have, could have, should have, which is specifically about a relationship that happened when she was 19 years old and she regrets some of the outcomes of it and maybe some of her actions in it as well and the other party's actions. All right, excellent. So kind of going into the song, the first thing that really kind of catches me is that intro guitar riff right when the song starts. So there's a little bit of synth, then there's this guitar riff that kind of leads you in. And what really kind of catches me, one, uh, this uh, riff, when I'm playing it here on the guitar, it's drop tuned. So I've drop tuned my guitar a whole step on each string. So, and to get that voicing to sound like it does in the recording, also, it's using some power chords in there, and what the point I'm trying to get to here is that it's very, very rock influence, you know, and, you know, you've seen these in some of Taylor Swift's songs before, for those of you familiar with, like, the Red era, or the Speak Now era, even, a lot of rock influences on those albums, and I think uh, it comes across in this one here, it's, like, way further down in her career, so that is really kind of the first ear hook that really gets you into this song, and it kind of sets you up in this, um, little bit of a darker mood for the song uh going into the music theory a little bit the song is in the key of g major but this riff starts on an a minor chord so using that minor voicing one it puts you in dorian mode for um those of you who are interested in music theory but what it really kind of does is it gets you this minor key sounding and makes it like a little bit ominous a little bit haunting and i think it really kind of sets up what the song is about and the verses and those kind of things so um, with that, let's get into some of the lyrics. Okay, so going into the first verse, she says, if you would have blinked, then I would have looked away at the first glance. We start seeing her go straight into alliteration with the L sounds of blinked, looked, and glance. Uh, she keeps this up with poison and spit and chance. If you tasted poison, you could have spit me out at the first chance. She's, she's using a lot of S and P sounds. If I was in paint, did it splatter on a promising grown man? So 
what's interesting with this song is that she's looking like she's going to go with a typical rhyme scheme, but she's already introducing so much alliteration that it kind of starts to clue you into how the rest of the song might go. She doesn't keep like a standard ABAB rhyme scheme in this song. She links lines together by using clever little assonance and alliterations in between to create internal rhymes. I yeah. think, oh, go ahead. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of it also is kind of um, how she pronounces a lot of these words lends itself to get these rhyme schemes to kind of work. Like, like which words in particular? Like, um, like man and hands is the one that stands out to me. If you just kind of look at those, they technically don't rhyme. But by emphasizing that A-N sound in hands, it kind of really ties it together. Yes, I would agree with that. And then when she goes into that pre-chorus where she says, all I used to do was pray, would have, could have, should have, if you'd never looked my way. I like that she's she's not trying to rhyme on would have, could have, should have, like with another line. She's just, it in, in and of itself has its own internal rhyme. And because it's the title of the song, it kind of just stands alone by itself as a as a thought, and it keeps itself contained and almost above the rest of the song. I'll get into the meaning of that later. Yeah, and I think what she really ties into here is also the melody of how she sings it. So if you let me play that real quick, um, the melody of each line in the verse is kind of something like this. It's... Uh... So that ending rhythm right there, the that little jumpy kind of rhythm, it leans itself to each of these questions. It lines up with them. So for example, like if I was some paint, did it splatter? So splatter has that kind of, um, that little jumpy rhythm. And then when she goes to uh, would have, could have, should have, each one of those syllables has that rhythm. So when she sings it, it's... Uh... Oh yeah. So that little jumpy kind of rhythm there, it really helps uh, tie those ideas together, even musically. And I think as a listener, in your head, it helps you kind of say, draw that connection a little bit more. Whether you're listening to what she's actually saying or just listening to the melody, you kind of know that it's all connected. Yeah, I like that. She she definitely uses different cadence within this uh, to get her points across. Like, for instance, when she says, like, in the chorus, she says, I would have stayed on my knees and I damn sure never would have danced with the devil. She doesn't, like, show you instantly how she's going to rhyme that. She just keeps it intriguing by keeping that pause between on and my knees. And then she hits us with alliteration again with the damn sure and the danced with the devil. And then she rhymes my knees with at 19 in the next line. Mm -hmm. Speaking of rhyme schemes, the line right after that, she rhymes the word devil with the word heaven, which, bold move, first off. But... Again, doesn't really rhyme, but the way she kind of emphasizes those V sounds really gets it kind of tied together. Yeah, when she says the God's honest truth was the pain was heaven. She keeps that. I also like that she says God's honest. It's like, it. I know it's a phrase in colloquial speech as well, but it gives it that little extra depth of that awe sound, which then comes in in the next um, next line where she says, and now that I'm grown, I'm scared of ghosts. And she's not going to rhyme that with anything. She says, now that I'm grown, I'm scared of ghosts. Memories feel like weapons. And now that I know, I wish you left me wondering. And her internal rhyme is really that now that I'm grown 
and the ghosts. So she's using the go and the grow in there to rhyme with no. And like ghost does not rhyme with no, but again, how you said, when mm-hmm. it's the way that she's saying everything that's tying it all together and keeping those together. And she doesn't, she doesn't feel the need to rhyme every line. She ends with, I wish you left me wondering. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that really ties into how she does the music as well. So going back to what I was saying in like the verse melody and they having that kind of that rhythm, it's in every line in the verse, but in the chorus, it's now become kind of every other line. So it starts with like, for example, when she sings, I would have stayed on my knees. It's like, but when she goes into the next line, um, never would have danced with the devil. The rhythm again is kind of similar to the verse. It was, I like damn sure never would have danced with the devil. Yeah, so when she does devil, it's right. uh, again that little jumpy kind of rhythm. Yeah. So that's now from the verse to the chorus. Instead of being every line, it's every other line in the chorus. And I think that this idea of like questions, would have, could have, should have, it's a little bit less when it goes into chorus, a little bit more sure. Except for when she goes into uh, I wish you'd left me wandering, which again, you pointed out, stands out. And uh, going into like a little bit of the music and the kind of the rhythm over here, when she does those notes for Wish You'd Left Me Wondering, it's uh... So these notes kind of are standing out a little bit. And the reason is um, the chord she's playing in the background there is a C major chord, which is here, which has that first note in it, but not that second note, which is the note she ends on. So the note she's ending on isn't in the chord, and it's creating a sense of tension. Yeah, it's keeping you wondering. Yes, exactly. That's a good way to put it. So it, when you have that sense of tension, and it also kind of leads you on because, hey, the song's not over. You're still going on here. So, um, and it kind of leads you back into the next verse. So, uh, yeah, similar, again, what she did in the song, similar ideas coming across in both the lyrics and the music. Right. Now going into the second verse, she starts talking about... If you never touched me, I would have gone along with the righteous. If I'd never blushed, then they could have never whispered about this. We're seeing the same cadence as we saw in the first verse. And I think what's interesting here is she starts doing that sort of like not not 100% rhyme when she says, and if you never saved me from boredom, I could have gone on as I was. But Lord, you made me feel important. And then you tried to erase us. Like boredom doesn't technically rhyme with important if you're saying it in a certain way, but she uses her cadence, her voice to keep those lines together. And gone on as I was does not really rhyme with you tried to erase us, but she keeps that cadence to keep it linked. Mm -hmm. And I think that at this point, she goes into that um, pre-chorus of you're a crisis of my faith, would have, could have, should have, if I only played it safe. At this point, there's a lot of religious imagery in this song. So what we've already seen up to this point is that, like like the second verse is kind of more heavy with it, but so is the chorus. So in the second verse, we're seeing gone along with the righteous. And then, Lord, you never, Lord, you made me feel important. So saying Lord is is an interesting point there. And then in the pre-choruses, we see the first one said, all I used to do was pray. And then I would have stayed on my knees and I wouldn't have danced with the devil, God's honest truth. And I feel like ghosts makes me think of religion for some reason. 
and then heaven as well. Ghost is like an afterlife, right? So you're kind of in that kind of a mood for this. Like yeah. you're thinking about consequences, what you were, what you are now. The Holy Ghost is a thing. People have said that. Right? Oh, yeah. the whole <laughs> I, I could have remembered that, but yeah. never mind. And then, uh, then she says in the second pre-chorus, you're a crisis of my faith. And then goes back into the chorus of I would have stayed on my knees, wouldn't have danced with the devil, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and that religious imagery that, you know, comes across in a lot of the production value of this as well, so not just in the melody, but when you're listening to the song, you get a lot of this, like, ethereal kind of sounds. There's a lot of use of, like, reverb and a lot of chorus. Like, I could imagine her singing this sitting in a church, an empty church. Right. It gives you that kind of imagery. So, again, like, masterful way to tie in music and lyrics in this place, I think. Yes. And speaking of that religious imagery, we go to the bridge now where she says, God rest my soul, I miss who I used to be. This tomb won't close stained glass windows in my mind. I regret you all the time. That's the first part of the bridge. Now, she's saying, God rest my soul. Again, the tomb, the stained glass windows, you really associate with um, churches or whatever. Like, they're they're usually in places of worship. And then she says... Like, I in the second part of that bridge, like, I can't let this go. I fight with you in my sleep. Wound won't close. I keep on waiting for a sign. I regret you all the time. Waiting for a sign is kind of one of those religious terms, like waiting for a sign from God or whatever. So she keeps on with it, and I, I really like the way she uses it and the way she alludes to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my favorite part of this portion of the song is the frantic energy that kind of comes into it. Yeah. Like, meanwhile, I just talked about how this is like ethereal and echoey, but you get to this portion, suddenly those lyrics are, she's jumping on top of the beat, you know, the drums pick up, she's um, leading the song. So, you know, almost like she's rushing the tempo. Yeah. But it's still in the, in tempo, obviously. It doesn't sound terrible, but it's pushing it she's creating a sense of anxiety and it makes sense because i'm sure she's felt some anxiety about this and and in that like the lyrics and the meaning of those lyrics right there is about like regrets and i miss who i used to be and i can't get it out of my mind i can't stop thinking about it so it kind of gives you that continuing pushing tempo and gives you that anxiety feeling that she's probably feeling yeah, and I think um, it's really this crescendo of the song, right? So you're getting into, like, this first part of the bridge and the second part of the bridge, and, you know, Taylor Swift is kind of known for using the bridge to tie her whole song together. Like, a lot of songs, sometimes the bridge is an afterthought or it's just, like, a repetition of something previous with different music in the back. But Taylor Swift is kind of signature in the sense that the bridge is always different and it always kind of is the anchor point of the song. And this one's no different, I feel like. So when you're leading into this bridge or this first part of the bridge or whatever you want to call it and building this crescendo and you suddenly feel like, okay, something's coming at kind of the next part. And for me, that's absolutely true that the next verse right here is what kind of ties the, is the climax of the song, I should say. Every time you hear a Taylor Swift song, you gotta look at the bridge. This woman could have been a civil engineer, the way she loves bridges and creating them and resting the crux of her songs upon them. She's incredible. Uh, But I'm supposed to be unbiased, but she's incredible. She's had uh, (laughs) 10 years of uh, load testing their bridges. 10 years? 
I think it's more ten than albums, ten. Albums, sorry, I meant ten. Ten albums. Ten albums, <laughs> ten albums of low testing. Yeah, excuse bridges. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, and and before we move on from this like this uh, urgent, anxious part of the bridge, uh, the other thing I want to point out here is again, uh, I'm going to go back to my alliterations and the weird rhyming, internal rhyming she's using. She's saying, "God rest, God rest my soul." She's using all these O sounds. Tomb won't close. Uh, stained glass windows in my mind. I can't let this go. And again, the wound won't close in the next part. She says, stained glass windows in my mind. She rhymes with, I regret you all the time. I keep on waiting a sign. She also rhymes with, I regret you all the time. But the two lines that don't get rhymed in either of those little sections are, I miss who I used to be and I fight with you in my sleep. So across those two, you know, mini what would you call that mini verse like within the bridge is basically yeah this crescendo is like it's it's broken up into two pieces and the lines that don't rhyme in each one rhyme with each other Mm -hmm. so she connects them together the two ideas together like these this grouping of words is going to show up again together you know it for sure and then when she crescendos uh like you're saying in the bridge of if clarity's in death then why won't this die Years of tearing down our banners, you and I. Living for the thrill of hitting you where it hurts. Give me back my girlhood. It was mine first. In here, she starts to use that same cadence that I think we saw, like, I would have stayed on my knees. She's using it to, like, show you that, like, this is, this is the main part of the feeling of the song. Like, mm-hmm. why won't this die? And yeah. tearing our banners down, you and I, and... Give me back my girlhood. It was mine first. Like she's hitting you with these words. Yeah, and what I like in this portion is the absence of any questions. There's no would have, could have, should have. Yeah, the time <laughs> for that is over. That's gone. And she's just saying facts now. And again, ties right into how the melody works. So if you let me demonstrate this one as well, those last two lines, "Living for the thrill of hitting you where it hurts." Give me back my girlhood. It was mine first. Right. So uh, it's something like. None more of that bouncy rhythm we had in the verses. None of that. It's yeah. straight. It's sure. It's right on the beat. So again, bringing across that sense of surety. I think the other thing that we um, discussed was how, when I hear this song, I, I'm not, I don't have a musical theory background, by the way, guys. Uh, I'm just, I'm just here for the good times. I, I hear these, this part of the bridge and I'm like, it sounds like almost like it's out of tune. It has a feeling of discomfort for some reason. And like, can you explain why it doesn't seem like it's the right, like it's like the wrong chord or something like that. Mm. Like there's something that stands out in these lines that I don't hear in the other verses. Yeah. Yeah. So what I would like to kind of point out, and I think this ties into this is that the notes she's using for the end of the line, the specifically those last two are exactly what were used in left me wondering. So up till now, those were kind of clashing with the thing I talked about, the C chord and all of that. But now she's not playing a C chord. So you're hearing the same notes with a different chord. Like she's singing a different chord than she's playing? 
Or... She is singing the same notes, but the background music, like the synths and all of that, the guitar in there, uh-huh. are playing a different chord than they were through the whole rest okay. of the song. And what they're playing now is a G chord, G major chord, rather than a C major. So you had the C major before for Leave Me Wondering. Now it's a G major. And the difference here is now instead of resolving on that first note, it resolves on the last note. So your ear is kind of shifting to a different resolution. And it really climaxes at that line of Give Me Back My Girlhood Was Mine First. If you In first, she holds that note out. Yes. Like to the end of time. And it's... Uh, <laughs> and that note resolves on that G major chord. Yeah. So suddenly you've had all these verses and choruses ending in a little bit of tension. But then here, it, um, it doesn't anymore. It finally resolves. That note is in the chord. Yeah. There's nothing to lead into here. It, that's where it resolves and really gives you that climax. So when you say you feel like it's off, I think it sounds like that because it's different from what the rest of the song was to this point. Yeah. But um, when I first heard it, I felt like all the tension had finally kind of left because all this musical tension she'd be building by having notes that aren't in the chord at the end of every line, it finally doesn't happen right here. And it really highlights that line of giving back my girlhood was mine first as kind of that's right where she anchored the song. For me personally, first of all, that was a great explanation of that. I, I, I like that it's like resolving tension at the end of it. That's a good point. I think that when I hear this just as a normal person, like who hasn't learned anything about music, when I hear her sing it, I hear pain in the Ooh. word hurts and it was mine first like there's a certain note that she's hitting that is almost like like i don't want to say crying but mm-hmm. it's like how you would sort of like it's 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 a strained voice it's a little bit more on the edge of like like when you're trying to sing yeah i feel like that's not the kind of notes you go for first yeah so i wouldn't say that it doesn't hurt right but still there's obviously a lot of emotion in the song and you feel it right at this line but she's not questioning that anymore. Correct, yeah. There's no more leave me, me wondering. She knows. No. <laughs> it she was knows. mine first. And yeah, that kind of sucks <laughs> because of whatever happened. Of right? course, yeah. So I'm not saying that there is no hurt or emotion in this, but it feels like in more of an acceptance of it. We're coming to reality. No more right. questions. I like the pain in that line yeah. because it's very raw and very real. I think that mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a hard topic to write about like having suffered abuse and having to lose your innocence in such a situation mm-hmm. and to like the the raw underlying feeling when you've been through abuse is like like it was like it shouldn't have been taken away from me my innocence should not have been taken away from me that's yeah. so unjustifiable and so wrong and i was i like i wish i could have protected myself but i was i was too naive to do that Mm -hmm. but like fuck you for even trying to take it from me you know yeah and every i think this line really pinches or holds a song together because to me it's the most relatable moment of the song everybody has things in their past that they felt shouldn't have happened to them for Mm -hmm. whatever reason you know everyone can relate to that hurt to that emotion so having this as the crux of a song i think is what really sends it for me makes this whole song kind of tie together and really stand out yeah and if we can just talk about our personal experiences for a second when i first heard the song i cried at that line it was really like that one really struck the chord yeah for me Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And I don't think it would have without all of the stuff before. Like, if this was the first, if this little line was the chorus of the song, I don't think it works as well. Right. Because you need all that tension, all the questioning that went into it. And the fact that this line only comes once in the song. Mm -hmm. When I listen to this, I wait for this line. Yes. This is the line you wait for when you're hearing the song. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, like, when you start it, like you said, it's all the questioning. It's the, like, all the scenarios playing out in her head. And then it's the anxiety. The anxiety building, building of, like, why can't I get this out of my head? And then it's the screaming into the void of this hurt. Yeah. And it shouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. And that's great. And she goes back down into the final, like, rendition of the chorus. She goes right back into, I damn sure never would have danced with the devil at 19. Mm -hmm. And then she goes, what I think is interesting is that the outro to this song is going back to God rest my soul. I miss who I used to be. The tomb won't close. Like she keeps, she goes back to the anxiety mm -hmm. part of it at the end of the song. So, and she repeats it twice. It's a, it's kind of a long part of the song. Yeah. And then she repeats it twice. Like it's like continuous anxiety. You get, like taking you to the end of the song yeah. so in a way you feel like she wrote this like that that bridge is supposed to be cathartic but the anxiety is never going to let her go yeah like even though if you've you know we talked about accepting it or knowing when it happens it doesn't suddenly solve all your feelings about yeah it, you even know? knowing that it shouldn't have happened to you etc cetera, etc cetera, it's still a problem in your life like you're yeah. still going to think about it mm -hmm. so I, I think her lyrics really like reflect that um i'd like to talk about some like overall themes before we're done here because I think when I thought about the title I think I got a lot out of that because it says would have could have should have and that is a colloquial expression would have could have should have right like you just think about things you regret and like how you can't change them and you say would have could have should have right and to you know that's your little thing that what what do you call it mantra that you just like that's yeah. resolving it for you. That's all you can say about yeah, it. It's your catchphrase. It's your catchphrase. <laughs> and so when you, but if you break down the thoughts of like would have, could have, and should have in this song, you'll notice there are times when she says would have, like she says, "I would have stayed on my knees. I never would have danced with the devil. Uh, if you would have blinked, then I would have looked away," etc. She says, could have. She says, if you tasted poison, you could have. Spit me out at the first chance. If I never blushed, then they could have never whispered about this. But she never uses should have outside of the pre-chorus where she says, would have, could have, should have. Now that got me thinking. Like, it's one of only three songs. Three, sorry, it's one of only three words in the song title. And she used the other two. So why is there a relative absence of should have? And that got me thinking about the fact that she has multiple songs written about this time period in her life. I'm going to look at the song Dear John for an example. Well, um, what time period is this actually? I don't actually know. It's when she was 19. Oh, okay. So like, because in here she, she names the fact that she's 19 and she also says in Dear John, she says, don't you think 19 was too young? To be messed uh, with. I see. Okay. Yeah. So that's the connection. So that's right. where I'm connecting it here. Yeah. By the way, I don't want to get into the details of who she was dating, etc. That's not why we're here. We're not here for a gossip column. But like, I'm I'm relating these songs because they both say she was 19 at the time. So, Dear John is that other song. And when she 
When you look at the lyrics of Dear John, you see that the word should have has a very strong role in that one. She uses it in the first few choruses as I should have known. Like she ends those choruses with I should have known. And then in the last chorus, she says you should have known. Like she's talking about how she was too young and like naive and she's blaming herself in the beginning and saying I should have known. And then at, by the end of it, she's saying, well, you should have known you were older at the time. You should have been like more responsible, you know, for your own feelings and et cetera, and not put that all on me. Mm-hmm. So in that song, it's kind of like a transition from blaming yourself to blaming the abuser. That song starts sad and then has a triumphant end. And then she ends with the lyrics like, I'm shining like fireworks over your sad, empty town. Like that's a really triumphant ending, right? Oh, yeah. But then when we see would have, could have, should have, we see like nuance of age and regret. So these are songs that kept her up like not even till midnight, but 3 a.m. Remember, this was part of the 3 a.m. edition. Mm -hmm. So I feel like in that 3 a.m. release, those seven songs that were released, they depicted higher highs and lower lows, which kind of like I... I made, that made sense to me because some topics like a past abusive relationship is bound to keep you up late at night. So we know there's a lot of contemplation here and dreaming up what she could have done differently or what he could have done differently. And he shouldn't have messed with her. Like, sorry, she already knows that it shouldn't have happened. She said that in Dear John. But the absence of should have in would have, could have, should have shows that despite knowing what should have happened, you're always going to wonder about whether or not it would have or even could have happened any other way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's really interesting because now we have these two songs about the same situation written years apart. And I think you really see the difference in age in this one and would have, could have, should have over something like Dear John. So, you know, the reflection, the you can imagine her staying up at night thinking about the situation years after it happened, right? You know? one of those memories your brain brings up when you're trying to fall asleep, for example. Really kind of cool to see how age has kind of changed the perspective on it. And it's it's almost like looking at it from two different angles, you know. When you see a photo taken from two different angles, I get that same feeling when I listen to Dear John and then would have, could have, should have. Yeah, I think that that's a great way to put it, just two different angles of the same situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one is written with the wisdom of her age now and one is written with her you know intense like feelings in the moment and I think they're both valid I think they're both valid at any stage of like coming out of a relationship like that I think you you know what you should have done you know what they should have done but you it's valid to stay wondering about it Mm -hmm. absolutely well, so before we uh, kind of go out here, what do you think is your absolute favorite aspect of what have, could have, should have? I think my absolute favorite part of this song was that line, give me back my girlhood, it was mine first, because I can see myself screaming that when I attend the Eras tour, and also every time I sing this song alone in the car, that's the one, that's the one that like wins my whole heart. But the other part that I really, really like that I can't get away from is just the amount of alliteration in this. It's just so fun to sing, and it's so fun on, like, like just rolls off the tongue the whole way through. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, for me, the favorite part is that I've talked about multiple times is how she ties in motifs in the lyrics to motifs in the music. And uh, what really blew me away was that songwriting craft in this song. 
So I think um, that was my absolute favorite. I absolutely enjoyed kind of analyzing that and finding the different little places in the song where this kind of happens. Yeah. All right. All right. That's all for me. You got anything else? Nope. Just uh, check out Taylor Swift's Midnight's album, the 3 a.m. edition as well, if you want. I think that it's amazing start to finish. Um, there's a couple songs in the middle that put you to sleep, but the rest, they're, they're overall good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you for checking out Decomposition. Uh, we hope you'll listen in next time. Bye. Peace.